0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the loss to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Desire. So often defines our story. How I mean, you know what you desire defines your story. Often desires define what we dream. What we dream about is often driven by the things we desire. Let me ask you something this morning. If you're taking notes, if not, just on something, an envelope or whatever you can find. I want you to just take a pen and something and write what you are desiring right now. What is the greatest or the, the strongest desiring? Don't just, listen, don't be religious on me. Don't say, Jesus, pastor. I just desire Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's all I desire. I just want to be holy. Oh, my goodness. That works for here right now, but come Monday, that ain't the truth. Let's be real. When y'all get to work, you are groggy some of you late for work because you can't get out of bed. Right? Monday might be staff meeting day. Monday might be, you know, the hardest day of the week for you or... Reluctant to go back to work. You you don't like your job, whatever. And so you're going to tell me you get there. You've you got co-workers you got co workers you do not even like working with. And you're going to get there and you tell me, Jesus, that's all I desire, Jesus. You lying sucker. Be real. Be real. Be honest with yourself. What are you really desiring in your life? It may be as simple as I just like I just like not to be alone anymore. Or maybe you just—the real desire of your life is I just desire to make it through another day. I'd like for this pain to go away. Be real. Not with me. I'm not telling you to write it down. You're not going to put turn it in. I'm telling you be real between you and God right now. What's really driving you? What do you really desire? Maybe you're desiring. You know what I really desire every day? For my kids not to be on drugs. For some relationships to be healed or restored. I'm desiring not to get up every day with the regret and the guilt that I carry. Be real. Because let me tell you something. God desires to fix your brokenness. But as long as you're trying to patch it up and put on that good front... And you're trying to put on this, I just want Jesus. I just, that's all I desire. You can't ever be fixed. Listen, that world don't need a fake Jesus, they need the real deal. They need to see where your life was a mess and God fixed it. Amen. They don't need you to hide your mess. And you put on a good Jesus front for them, they need to to know the mess you were. And then they need to see the Jesus who fixed it. Amen. 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 So don't just write on your piece of paper, oh, I just desire Jesus. Get real. Get real. Because the truth is desire defines us. Desire often is the root of what entangles us. Desire is what defines our responses to many things. Desire it's a very important part of who God designed us to be. And we remember back in Genesis. It says. The serpent came and he began to speak to her and him. And they were both there and they were both looking at a tree that was forbidden. And i am tell you something. The, the serpent didn't have to do much All he had to do was tap into something that was already there, longing in their eyes, lurking in their soul, looking at something that they were desiring that was forbidden. All he had to do was play on what was already there. They were longing for what God said not to do. And the Bible says that they looked upon that which was forbidden and they saw it was desirable. See, what you desire defines your story. What's consuming your thoughts? What's consuming your affections? What's consuming your attitude? Your values, your priorities. You see, what we desire, we long for. We desire to be affirmed. We desire to be loved. We desire to be famous. We desire to be recognized. We desire everybody to like everything we post on Facebook. Right? Right? To be real, how many of you have a Facebook page? How many of you post stuff on your Facebook page? And then how many of you go back 30 minutes or an hour later to see who all liked and how many liked what you posted? You don't have it. You got a Facebook page, son. I want to see it. <laughs> I'm gonna go look. We're gonna talk. <laughs> Why? Because we have this desire. Desire to be recognized. We desire to be successful. Anybody here desire to be a failure? No? See, so we all desire to do what? To succeed. It's something. Or what do we set our hands to do? We desire to be rich. Anybody desiring to be poor? You would rather be poor than anything else. You think the poorer you are, the holier you will be. Right? Just, there's an offering envelope right on the back of the chair. That's what you think. Just empty out your account. We'll take it. Amen? Build that new parking lot. Amen? And then you can be real holy. Right? Be real holy. You'd be broke, and I help you find a good buggy. With rose straight, amen. We desire to be beautiful, right, John? You desire to be beautiful, yeah? <laughs> Some of us just desire to be noticed. We desire things that are not ours. We desire things that are forbidden, things we think will bring us happiness. We desire to belong. We desire to be heard. We desire to be seen. We even desire to be desired. But if we desire something enough, it becomes an obsession. Right? If we desire something enough, it becomes an obsession. This is why Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 three, through 3 tells us, it admonishes us. Look there with me. Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. I hear this quoted all the time. The Bible says, God will give you the desires of your heart. Well, I thank God. How many of you can thank God that there were some things you desired He didn't give you? Hallelujah. I can't tell you how many buildings that I went and looked at and said, Lord, this is the one. Give it to us, Lord. I drove by two of them just the other day and I said thank you so much God that you did not give us that building. (laughs) Thank you God that you did not give me that which I desired. Oh the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Put that in context folks. He's talking about this right here. When you desire the things above. we desire When you desire those things where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above. Not on the things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You know what he's talking about? The desires of your flesh have been crucified. They're nailed to that cross and the only desire I have indeed is to be like Jesus. In fact, it's not just even to be like Jesus. That's become kind of a cliche. That's got really kind of a half of truth to it. It's not that you become like Jesus. It's that Jesus is evident to the point that all people see is Jesus in your life. Amen. That's right. See, if as Christians you believe that you were created by a loving God who has a divine purpose for your existence. How many of you believe that? How many believe that you were created by a loving God who has a divine purpose for your existence? Amen? If that be true, then is that same God defining your story? Is He defining your story? If not, who or what is defining your story? Is the love of Christ as defined through the Scripture, is that defining your story? Or is a cultural definition of love defining your story through your offenses, your hurts, your wounds, or have you, you, that you've picked up through maybe social media or some meme or something you've misperceived because you've kind of filled in the blanks. I think often we pick up things that we've misperceived and we fill in the blanks in a situation with our own assumptions. And we let our assumptions define our story. Things that we assume about other people, what people think about us, we assume in, um, in in the midst of situations and circumstances, we see things that we don't fully understand. We're missing, you know, the full context of something. And so we fill in the blank with our own assumptions. And then we build offenses and everything else, or else around that. And we let those things, we let assumptions define our story. Some of you, even still today, you live by assumptions that you picked up in your childhood. You live by assumptions that your parents carried. Let me use this, that word, instead of assumption, baggage. Same thing. You live by assumptions about who you are. You live by assumptions about relationship. And all kinds of things in your life. Or maybe it's temptations and sinful habits that are defining your story. But I'm here to admonish you this morning to not let the devil, the adversary, the serpent, the deceiver rob you of the story that God is writing in your life. Don't let false ideas, hear me out. Don't let false ideas, listen, they're all around us. From billboards to commercials to preachers on TV to podcasts to whatever form of entertainment that you enjoy. I guarantee you somewhere, something, someone is trying to build assumptions in your life. And most of them are false assumptions. defining your story. Don't let anyone else but God write your story. Amen? Don't let false ideas, catchy, humanistic phrases that sound good on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube but are filled with cunning ideologies that pervert the truth in your perception of God's instruction for life. Listen, if God needed means to teach you how to live righteous, He'd have given them to you. He'd have given them to Moses. I'm sure Moses could have cut up with some good means. Some of you... Did, did, I'm, I'm making a big assumption here. Who doesn't know what a meme is? Okay. Who doesn't have social media? Where's Blakely? Come here, Blakely. Come here, Blakely. Blakely, give me the definition of a meme. I know definition. What's a meme? A GIF or a meme? A meme. A meme? Funny picture that you put a little caption on, like a dog. It's like, and it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening right now? That's a very good definition. It's a picture with a caption. Oh, yeah, what's happening? Yeah. And people are living their life by that. Well, if people don't like who you are, then gotta just get them out of your life. Because they weren't they weren't any good anyway. Oh, that sounds just like a Jesus attitude to me. That's right. Jesus is up there going, mm, they ain't no good in your life. Let me just get them all out your life. Mm. Right? Which where is it? This right here? Yeah, that right there. Dear unbeliever, I promise you that Jesus Christ is not like 90% of the Christians you know. Well, that's a good one <laughs> They're, not all They're not all ugly. okay, I see your point I just keep your phone <laughs> But and even though that's a good one, that's good, right? You don't live your life by that. That doesn't mold and shape my doctrine and my theology and and how I have relationship. Get back to this. There's people that spend more time they can quote memes, even good ones, but they can't tell you anything about this Bible. That doesn't define... Well, that's a good quote. Unbeliever, I promise you that... 90% of Christians, I don't even remember what it was now, don't define Jesus. Okay, but the point is this, that sounds good, sounds catchy, but that's not scripture. That's not scripture. See, because that that, that has a taint, it's even tainted with, with someone's opinion. That's some man's fault. That's a good thought, but it's a man's thought. No, no, you need the thought of God. You need the mind of God governing your life. Get in this. Wow. Mm. I believe that in the age of rampant misinformation, that's where we are. We're living in the age of rampant misinformation. That so many Christians are drowning in a digital sea of falsely perceived theologies that are void of sound scriptural truth. We're living in a digital sea of misinformation, void of sound scriptural truth. I love what brother Roger Kiel posted one day he tweeted if you want to find Jesus he's on Facebook he's on the internet somewhere he's everywhere on the internet folks you want to find Jesus find him in this word find him in this word find you want to find Jesus find him on your face in the carpet you want to find Jesus go go serve and give you know Show Christ to someone else that's hurting. See, Jesus was right. Look with me in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Jesus was right when He said, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many, love for what? Love for the truth. Love for God. Love for righteousness. Love for their neighbor. Love for the kingdom. Love for the things of God. Love for Christ. This is what Jesus loved for the truth. He said, lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. He was not talking about the unbeliever. Their love He's not. Why would he be referencing them? He's not referencing the unbelievers' love. He's referencing the church. He's talking about you because lawlessness and untruthfulness will increase because lies and deceptions and the minds and the ideas of men will increase that are in total contrast to the truth, and they'll be presented as truth. And there'll be catchy phrases, and there'll be in, you'll be inundated with them, and they'll cause your love for truth. To grow cold. Yep. Oh, Lord help us. Wow. What's he talking about? He's talking about you'll desire everything else but truth. Yeah. You'll desire this and you'll desire that. And and Angelica and I were watching a video this morning. I, was, I said, Come look at this video. It was a video of, of two young ladies, and one was showing the other, one, Hey, check out this new. Find the perfect church app, and they're looking through. Look at this one. This one. This guy can can beatbox. This pastor can rap. Look at this pastor. Oh, this has got to be the perfect church. It's eight thousand members. Surely, I guarantee you. What are the statistics? I can find a man there. That's the perfect church. Out of 8,000 people, I ought to find a husband there. <laughs> Why, this will help my business. If I go to that church, how much can I statistically increase my clientele? You know what's happening? Our love. Our love is growing cold. Wow. Well, People don't walk away from Christ because they don't think He's truth. But because the truth of who He is conflicts with that which they have found more attractive. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, Adam and Eve looked longingly with the desire for that which the law of God had forbidden. This is spiritual pornography. When the flesh craves that which God has called sin, and you set, you set it before your face, giving earshot of its lurking voice and awakened desire of that which is outside of God's design. It's spiritual pornography. Pornography in the Greek comes from the word porne, meaning to pervert, and the word graphene, meaning written. When Adam and Eve saw the tree as good other than God. And awakened the desire of the flesh or the nephesh. They perverted the command or the halakha. That which was written before the foundations. The halakha, the law, the way or life instructions. Of God. And they acted in disobedience. And when the deceiver, how many of you know, we see the same thing. When the deceiver tried to tempt Christ in the wilderness, he used a perversion of the law. But Christ set him straight by declaring, it is written. Don't be deceived by this culture's perversion of God's instructions for life. See, so you have to guard what you see and you have to guard what you hear. Y'all remember, I may have heard that little song. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. Right? That's a cute little song. Was a lot of truth. And it's harder and harder and harder to do in this day and age, isn't it? When it's everywhere. We're in the age of misinformation, perversion all around us. You have to guard what you allow to touch your emotions. You have to guard what you allow to shape your perceptions. You have to guard what you let come in and out of your heart. You have to guard what comes out of your mouth. It's like we live with no filter anymore. The F word is commonplace. Out of Christians mouth. You have to guard your soul diligently. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 he warns us. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. For your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, to destroy. I'm going to break this down. Let me let me break this scripture down. A little more practical for you. Be alert. Run away from iniquity. For iniquity roams around in your thoughts. Like a loud authoritative voice. Seeking to destroy your obedience to the word of God. Which brings eternal life. Oh, we can read it that way. Be sober-minded. Okay, that means I'm not supposed to drink Budweiser. <laughs> be watchful. Oh, okay. Just don't be late for church. Your adversary, the devil. I mean, you can attribute all, tribute, all You can read that and walk away with no understanding. But here's the truth of what he's trying to tell you: Run from iniquity. From the desires that will lure you away from what God's called you to be. Yes, yes, yes. That will try to taint and tempt you away from the redemption, the redemption God has brought you into. Come on, yes. Flee from that iniquity. Because it's thought where's where's the enemy rolling around, roaming around? We're looking for the devil. He's roaming around in his little red jumpsuit. Spandex. He's probably wearing spandex now, right? With a little thigh showing. No, you know where the enemy's roaming around? In your head. Well, he said, bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ, casting down every vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's he talking about? The devil's in your head. come on, Roaming around, telling you, did God not say? How about this? Doesn't that tree look good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It won't hurt. Nobody will really fully. Nobody else understand what you're kind of posting on Facebook with that little jab, except the people that you're really trying to jab at. Yeah, had to get them. Had to get them suckers. Yeah, he's roaming around. Well, they don't really care about me at that church. They don't even know me. I just... No, 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 no. You're roaming around in your head. Trying to destroy you through disobedience. Stand firm in your faith. At all costs. You see, iniquity hardens the heart against the presence of God. Iniquity dulls the hearing of the word of the Lord. Iniquity feeds pride like slipping some table scrap to a dog. Iniquity cloaks itself in false motives of altruism. Jesus didn't come to just forgive your sins But He came to free you from the seed of iniquity. Look with me in James chapter 1 verse 14 and 16. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. Desire. Then desire when it is conceived like a seed. What's he talking about? Iniquity. The inclination, the rebellion. The desire that is contrary to that which God has brought you into design. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. And sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. I don't want to end there because look what he says next. Do not be deceived. Don't let that same snake that was in that tree wrap around your head. Don't let that same voice that was in that garden keep speaking to you. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. You see, regardless of those who fall away, I'm not going to name any names, but there's all kinds of Christian artists falling away. Preachers that have fallen away through the ages. We could go all the way back to the 80s. It's nothing new. They've been falling away for a long time. And they fall away and some of them say, well, I'm going to keep on doing ministry. Cause grace. I can keep my prostitutes and still preach. What? What? There will be many more fall away folks. But they don't define my faith. They don't define my faith. I didn't go to them to find Jesus. Jesus. Last time I checked, Caleb didn't win my salvation for me. That's right. There you go, brother. Come on. Reverend Bishop Bullwinkle, or whoever else, <laughs> didn't win my salvation for me. That's right. Jesus died for me. Christ won my salvation for me. Yes. It wasn't this denomination or that denomination or this doctrine or this theology. It was, it was Jesus, the same Jesus in this Bible right here. He won my salvation for me. And it's He who my salvation is based on and founded on. He's the foundation. Yes. 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 I will not be shaken. Yes. Though many, it doesn't matter who falls away, doesn't matter who offends me in the church. Listen, you want some reasons to walk away from God? Be a pastor for about a year. Am I right, Dad? Be a prophet. Be a prophet for about a year. You get plenty of justification to be able to say, Well, I just... Jesus didn't work for me. Because of them Christians. See, pastors they fire fire you. Evangelists they just don't invite you back. Teachers they just shut you down, shut you up. Prophets they stone you. <laughs> they they get the word out that you're a false prophet. Everybody that's offended at you. But that's not what defines my faith. That's not what defines my faith. So regardless of who falls away or why, the gospel of Christ remains unshaken and unchanged. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to to turn there with me. We're going to go through 2 Corinthians chapter 4 real quick. Look what he says. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. He's not about lose heart. He's talking about just lose your motivation, your sense of direction and purpose. He's talking about don't lose your soul. Don't lose your soul. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. You know what he says? He says, we refuse to live like everybody else. We refuse to think like everybody else. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth... We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's us, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Somebody get a revelation. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. If there's been no death in Jesus. You, there's probably been no life. Because you've got to have the death of Jesus in your life before you can know the life. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us. But life in you. Since we had the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believed and so I spoke. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen? Amen. See, don't allow your sin to define your Savior. Don't let sin define your Savior. Let the Savior free you from your sin. Amen? Amen. What defines your relationship with Christ? Your happiness? Or His holiness. You see, I'm not a Christian by my title or religious affiliation. But the way in which I follow Christ. That's what defines my Christianity. I've said before, things don't go wrong. They start wrong. But how do you know Christ can give you a new start? Christ, that's not the end of the story. Christ can give you a new start. I said this before, how you finish does not have to be defined by how you started. Remember that many start well, but never finish. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 11, I'll close with this. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. In other words, that which Christ has begun in you, let Him finish it. Amen. Finish the race, as Paul said. And don't just finish it, finish it well. Amen. Run the race, run it well. Don't stop the story. Or don't let the world around you define the story of Jesus Christ in your life. I mean, you know, Peter denied Christ three times. Paul murdered many Christians and followers of Christ in the name of God. Mary was a prostitute about to be stoned. And each of them got a new start to their story, didn't they? Every one of them got a new start to their story. So maybe you need a fresh start to your story today. Maybe you're here today and your story so far is a mess. Or maybe it's not what it could be in Christ. Maybe you've been trying to write your own story. Maybe you need a fresh start to your story today. That's what real grace is all about. The mercy of God to give you a fresh start to His story in your life. Amen. Stand with me if you will. Tori. Hallelujah. Listen to me, church. Christ does not want to be a co-author of your story. He wants to be the only one writing the pages of your life. Because only he can make it remarkable. I'm going to say that again. Christ does not want to be co-author of your story. He wants his name on the front cover. Amen. He wants his name all in the pages. He wants his name to define every chapter. Don't let him just don't just make him a co-author. Make him the author of your life. Of every area of your life. If you will just close your eyes with me this morning, if there's anybody here this morning say, Pastor. Not only has Christ not been the co-author, he's not, he's not even been in the picture. He's, not, he's nowhere in the plot. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been writing your own. You've been trying to figure out your own plot for your for the story of your life. If you're here this morning, and you say, "Pastor, I want to make I want to make Christ the author of my life. I want Him to write my story from this day forward." Come on, that's you just slip your hand up. Come on, anybody. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, "Hey." pastor he's been the co-author but he's not been the author he's in other words he's in my life but he's not he's not been on the throne I want to put him back in his place I want to I want I want to put the pen of my life back in his hand I want to surrender I want to I want to, I want a fresh start this morning I want a fresh start come on let you just slip your hand up Say, Lord I just want a fresh start this morning. Fresh start with you, God. Amen. Come on, just pray this with me. Say, Lord, here I stand. An open book. Be the author. From this day forward. I don't want you to be a co-author. I don't want you to be a footnote in my life. I want you to define... All that I am, I surrender. Help me start afresh in you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.